Good morning, team. Welcome to podcast number one of Troubleshooter's Corner. Today's episode, Pivot or Perish. Do smart people consistently make the same fatal mistake? All the time. Now, the bottom line up front. Avoid this pitfall by recognizing the the time to pivot because your mission has changed. Now, if you just needed a quick review, that was it right there. You had the bluff, the bottom line up front, and you're free to go. But if you want to know more, stick to the end for the whole story and some keepers. So what we'll do is we'll start with a situation. Here's the situation. True story. A large East Coast financial empire was having a problem with its employees. Uh, They were good. They were hardworking. They were dedicated. They just didn't respond well to directions on how to react differently to emergencies than to -to day-to-day life. What do I mean by this? Their problem was that they found out they just wouldn't evacuate when they needed to evacuate the building. It didn't matter if they had fire alarms going off. It didn't matter if they had floor wardens coming in and saying, you need to get out of here, there's a problem. In fact, they didn't learn to do this. They didn't learn how serious the problem was until there was an actual fire in a manhole cover with some utility workers working on some some problem right outside of one of the main corporate buildings. When a fire broke out and the burning insulation, the smoke from the burning insulation actually started feeding in through the stairwells of the adjoining uh, corporate building and into the work premises. Again, all the right things that should have happened by procedures did happen by the book, except it didn't work. Especially with the financial traders. These people are uh, rainmakers, money makers, highly independent. They're the gunslingers and the cowboys, and they just would refuse to evacuate. They would wave their hands and nod, whether it was a an exercise or, in this case, the real thing. And they just said, no, i I got to close this deal. They'd just wave people off. They'd mask the alarms. They'd, they'd uh, take the phone with them and go into a corner somewhere to get away from the noise. And they would just keep on going, and nothing could stop them, even imminent danger to themselves. So what happened, and what would you do as a troubleshooter tackling and faced with this problem? Well, let's tell you what really happened. In this case, the troubleshooters were engaged internally at first. Unfortunately, it didn't work. They revisited their procedures. They were smart enough to have hired a recently retired fire chief to help vet all their emergency management procedures and to check them out and to make sure that they were being reasonable and prudent. They had a very mature facilities staff that they could use and deploy to to perform training and to acquaint people and to do exercises. Didn't matter. When push came to shove, things just weren't working. So they came to a consultant. And a consultant was acting in the role of a troubleshooter, again, just like you, had to figure out what to do to make things better. It took a week, and then it happened. And here's what happened. After going through the process and checking out everything that was in place, interviewing the people on on all sides of this from all related departments, and also the people who themselves would just refuse to, to... 
detach themselves from their normal duties in order to respond to the exigencies of the emergency, the consultant, yours truly, came up with the following epiphany. And this this is the troubleshooter's uh, light bulb over the head experience. It was just like a wartime situation. In war, you prepare for one set of duties. You're in a training environment when you're at home, back back in the garrison, back at camp, back at home base, back at the headquarters. But it's a totally different world once you deploy to the field. In fact, you're no longer in the same command. When you move across across an ocean and get into a combat area, you're no longer quite in the same unit. You're now subordinate to a different organization, a different command structure. And guess what? The duties are not quite the same. This was something the employees needed to realize. And the only way to do this was to give them a clear pathway to making this mental transition and to reinforce it from the highest possible level. This is what happened. A consultant put together a very simple policy statement that said, in essence, when an emergency happens, your job changes. You are no longer responsible for doing what you were primarily hired to do, whether that's closing a deal or performing routine duties at the headquarters or in the field office or anywhere else. Your primary responsibility now becomes life safety. And that means you set aside what you were working on, even if you're in the middle of something, and you convert to that other responsibility which has now taken precedent. But it wasn't a a victory solely on the part of the consultant. This took a coordinated, collaborative approach with the client. The client said, this is great, we like this message, and they were the ones who decided within their hierarchy and after much deliberation, we're going to get the chief executive officer to put it out, and we're going to have some computer-based training on it. And within that week, my message, if you will, had populated uh, the the employee workspace through the good graces of, of the client under the, the uh, CEO's banner. And he said this is, when it came from him, people paid attention. All of a sudden, they were noticing. All of a sudden, the realization came, and they finally understood things changed in the crisis. So, there you have your troubleshooter's topic for the day and a tip for the day. Let's boil this down into some keepers. Now, what are, what are keepers? Keepers, invented by a man named Terry Paulson, uh, a consultant, by the way, are uh, key points to take with you so that you always have some keepaways, and then you have a keeper book, and then you can, you can ch- sort of check them out when you have downtime and look to see if there's something in here. Well, there are three keepers that I distilled from this particular case. Let me share them with you now. Keeper number one. Understand how crisis changes roles, missions, and priorities. It's like going to war. The job you thought you had is not the job you now have when the crisis comes. Number two, prepare in advance with role-playing scenarios. This could be as, as if you don't have anybody else to play with, you can, you can do this role-playing with yourself and just say, what would I do under this kind of situation? By rehearsing this mentally, you prepare yourself and insulate yourself against the panic and the chaos that would otherwise envelop 
everyone else around you. So prepare in advance with role play. Number three, recognize your moment and act without delay. Pivot or perish. The whole point is to see that the change is coming and act in time to be able to make a positive difference. What happens when people don't act in time? They lose the moment and they become overwhelmed by events. Okay, now, before we, we sign off, let me tell you some things. If you want to find out a little bit about my biography and what backs my ability, what gives me the authority to talk about things like this, take a look at the show notes. I'm going to have a, a link to the website called catransauce.wixsite.com slash nodarkcorners. That connects to some information. If you look at the About tab on that, you'll see what my background is, and we don't have to bore you with it here. And then, before finally, what we'll do is we'll go through something called a colleague asks. I vetted these this situation and talk, discussed it with other colleagues, and some of them asked a couple of questions. So let me give you the benefit of those questions to further inform your knowledge and your, your conception of what we were talking about here in case you have to use these troubleshooting tips. So a colleague asked, number one, why didn't the original organization troubleshoot this challenge without outside help? And that's a very good question. There are three reasons that I could identify. Number one, they were too close to the problem. There are many times when you keep trying something and it's not working, but you are so locked into your solution because you know it's the right one that you can't step away from it and look at the broader picture to understand what isn't working as opposed to fixating on what should be working. Number two, in some organizations, people listen based on where you sit in the chain of command. Sadly, some of the people who knew the most about this included that fire chief, that former fire chief who was hired, but he wasn't well enough known in the organization. He was buried deep on some lower rungs in the hierarchy, and so no executives would listen to him. They, they wanted His opinion was diluted by the time it bubbled up to the top, and so they never heard the many good things he had to say. And number two, or rather number three, when they pay more, they listen better. It's just a fact of life in organizations of every kind that when something, when you pay, you remember. When something costs you, when you feel that you are paying premium price for something, it must have more value, even if your inside people can tell you the exact same thing. That's why we often hear the, the adage, uh, you can't be a prophet in your own land. So when people pay, they remember. When people pay, they attach a different value to the advice given than if it's just given to them free of charge. And I'm sure many of you have seen this before in, in many walks of life. Let's go on to another one. A colleague asks, how can you tell things are going wrong when you're in one of these situations? Well, there's some, some external indicators that should immediately call your attention to the situation and the need to do something differently. First, results are lacking, but resort to what I call MOTS is increasing. What is MOTS? MOTS is more of the same. That's just, it's a, akin to the idea that if somebody doesn't speak, if you can't speak a foreign language and someone doesn't, who speaks a foreign language doesn't understand you, you just speak slower and louder. That isn't going to work. 
but we attach ourselves to these things and we keep doing them irrationally. So pe when people keep doing more of the same, but there still aren't any results, it's time to step back and reevaluate the situation. Second, another way you can tell that uh, things are going wrong is everyone in, in the room knows what each other will advise before they even speak, based on their usual roles, past experience. And what this reflects is a failure of analysis and imagination. If you have been interacting with the same people all the time, and you know, well, that's the security guy, or that's the HR woman, uh, this one's a, a, a social worker in disguise, that one only cares about the bottom line. If you've already stereotyped people and you expect them to behave in a certain way, you tune them out. And that's what often happens here. It sometimes takes somebody from the outside to apply the figurative slap to the side of the head to get their attention because people are no longer listening to the people on the inside. And finally, another colleague asks, how do you know when you've got it right? This isn't so hard after all. First, you achieve the desired result. That's the immediate indicator. But the long-term indicator is one that's a little bit more amusing when you step back to think about it. After somebody accepts a new way of doing business, everyone thinks the solution was obvious. And that's which means that there's greater acceptance after all. So there you have it, the tip for the day the tr from Troubleshooter's Corner, Pivot or Perish. And now, till the next time, stay watchful, troubleshooters, but never be afraid of taking a calculated risk.